0: Well, hello and welcome to this episode of our Gospel of John Bible Study. This is Brad Scott uh, from Sweetwater, Tennessee. This is a beautiful spring-like day in February. We are in John chapter 8. We've finished the story of the woman caught in the act of committing adultery, that woman that was finally left alone with Jesus and asked, where are your accusers? And she answered Jesus, um, "I don't have any." He said, "Right." And they said, "Go and send no more." And uh, so we we transition from that back into some teaching of Jesus. He had been teaching in chapter seven, uh, talking about a lot of things uh, and uh, creating some division in the things he said. And in that same vein, we come back to to that in verse 12. So I want to read a few verses, and then we'll talk about it. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. "'Jesus answered, "'Even if I testify on my own behalf, "'my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from "'and where I am going, "'but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. "'You judge by human standards. "'I judge no one. "'Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, "'for it is not I alone who judge, "'but I and the Father who sent me. "'In your law it is written that the testimony "'of two witnesses is valid.' I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Well, that's a... Interesting passage and uh, has some very uh, common traits of Johannine writing in it. And so let's talk about it a little bit. Um, you know, I was served a co- church in a community one time where everyone knew each other pretty well. So, one of the questions that they would ask you if they saw you and they didn't recognize you, they would ask, Who's your daddy? and uh this is what the Pharisees just asked jesus they uh at the end of this passage um they want to know who's your father, and Jesus says, "You don't know me or my father, <laughs> and that's you know it it hits us sometimes a little, maybe I don't know if it sounds disrespectful, but it doesn't sound like what you think someone would say in a situation like that. But what Jesus is asserting is not so much uh, a conversational reality. He's talking theologically. uh, And he's talking on a level, as we've talked about before, he's talking on a level that they just cannot understand. So here he is again uh, doing that. And what Jesus says first of all is an i am statement let's t- let's go back and talk about that there's many i am statements in john's gospel and uh, one of the uh sections in the footnotes to this study bible that i'm using has a explanation of the i am statements it says that the the words i am are almost always followed by an a noun that is descriptive of some quality of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life, I you know, I, I am the bread of life. We've talked about some of those. And um here he says, I am the light of the world. Now in Matthew's gospel that gets turned around. Jesus looks at his disciples and those who are listening on the on the uh at the Sermon on the Mount and says, you are the light of the world. So, and, you know, John is giving it to us from a different perspective in a different, little different context. And Jesus is asserting a theological truth about himself that he is the light. Um, we go back to the beginning of John's gospel. There's a quite a, uh, a, a bit of reference to light in that first chapter, what we call the prologue of the Gospel of John, where it says the light has come into the world and people have um, dwelt in the darkness. You know, so here we are still dealing with light and, and darkness and what John's doing with this, it's not really our understanding of just simple light that's going on here. It's light that is more of the enlightenment of the mind, the heart, the spirit. Jesus came to be all of that for us. He came to be a source of the brilliance of the glory of God shown through the light of God into this dark and sinful world. So here he is saying, I am the light Of the world, and he follows this statement up this description of who he is with kind of a purpose statement: Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's just a beautiful idea. The you know, have you ever raised seeds? And uh, maybe you raise them in a window, and as they came up, the little plants, these little young stringy little plants would just sort of pull themselves over to where the light was. And, you know, unless you go and turn the pot every day uh, so that they pull back the other direction, then you'll end up with some real spindly looking plants because they they're they're seeking out the light. They're going toward the light. They can't grow without the light. Light is a source of life. Maybe that's why in Genesis, when God is creating, he says, let there be light. And that's one of the first things he said when he was creating. Let there be light. Light is the beginning of the energy the the life-giving uh you know source of of what makes growth possible so here he is talking about that he if Jesus is the light of the world then we like those young seedlings at a window are drawn toward him Because he is giving us life in his light. So then we get the response of those who aren't quite in the light. The Pharisees say of Jesus, you are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Now, I just finished a sermon this past Sunday on Matthew 18 where uh Jesus mentions in the second step of how to argue properly within the the context of the life of the church uh He says that uh there are um uh you know we should we should take a couple of witnesses with us. You know, it's that, it's that um, passage, if you have ought against your brother, go to your brother. And the, the first step is go by yourself. If that doesn't fix it, you go back with two or three witnesses because that way every word can be um, testified to by those witnesses. This is a Jewish understanding of uh, that was valid in Jesus' time of, of what made something believable. When we're talking about validity, we're talking about believability. And so they're saying you're testifying on your own behalf, but your testimony doesn't have validity to it due to the fact that there's only his own witness. There's nothing else uh, to back it up. At least that's what they're alleging. Well, Jesus answers that and says, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I come from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. What's Jesus saying? Well, he's referencing the fact that he did not come from this world, but he's going back to this otherworldly place where he came from. And um we know that to be heaven, but uh but the Pharisees don't know that. But Jesus is more or less pulling rank on them in the fact that he has divinity within him and uh and, and that's what he's making reference to in this comment. And then uh he goes on to say, You judge by human standards, I judge no one. Well when we know in the in the uh, book of revelation you the the lamb will judge on the great white throne there will be a judgment and uh uh so he does but he's saying in this instance uh he's he's not here to be judge he's here to be savior that's different and um but he says even if I do judge my judgment is valid for It is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. So there's the second witness. The second witness is God the Father. So Jesus has the testimony of two witnesses, his own testimony and the testimony of God the Father who sent him. So um, he's beaten the argument of the Pharisees. He says, I testify on my own behalf, And the father who sent me testifies on my behalf. And they said to him, where is your father? That's almost like saying, who is your father? But they're saying where instead. And Jesus says, you you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And um, we can imagine that this led to maybe a little anger, maybe a little, uh, you know, More than just some odd looks, I think the Pharisees are getting uh, weary of Jesus in these settings. He's teaching in the temple. It says he's actually teaching in the treasury of the temple. Uh, Not everybody's going to be brought into the treasury, are they? Uh, Because that's where valuable things are. So, you know, if Jesus has been brought into there, he's been brought among the Pharisees where he's to teach. And and this is what he's doing. And uh, going on just a little bit further, uh, we'll not get through this chapter in this episode, uh, but let's go from 21 to 30. Again, he said to them, I am going away and you will search for me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Then the Jews said, Is he going to kill himself? Is that what he means by saying, Where I am going you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. They said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Why do I speak to you at all? I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but the one who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father instructed me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Well, now this harkens back to chapter three when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. Uh, there's some parallels here that are just uncanny. But um, when he says, "I'm going away, and you'll search for me, but you will die in your sin." He's talking about the fact that he's about to be killed. He's, he's going away. means he's going to die. And, um, and he's saying the Pharisees will die in their sin. Well, their sin is the fact that they're going to have something to do with his death. And, um, and they certainly do as we see those things unfold later on in this gospel. Uh, where I am going, you cannot come. I think this is, a, this is a bit of information that we need to tell the world that you cannot come to heaven unless you believe in Jesus. And uh, he's, he's going to make an assertion like that in just a few minutes. Uh, the Jews said, you know, here they are not understanding him again. See, they're thinking on one level. Jesus is speaking on a different level. And all they can hear is, what, what's this about? Is he going to kill himself? You know, uh, suicide was a sin in Jewish thought, Jewish life. Um, we struggle with understanding that today is if if suicide is still considered a sin or not um there's so many things that are considered sin that we don't pay any attention to anymore and that's um that's too bad but um because what sin does is it separates us from god and certainly if you commit suicide you've separated yourself from god because you've taken into your own hands the matter of life and death and you have um Made a decision that cannot be changed, and um, and it has moral implications. Yes, it does. So um, when they say that, you know, they're trying to figure out is is Jesus about to sin? Is that is that? I mean, that's really what they're thinking about. They're thinking the worst they can of him. Okay, he's going to kill himself. Therefore, he's a sinner. Well, we know that Jesus never sinned. And we know that uh, there was no sin in him, and we know he did not kill himself. He did submit to what he knew would be his end, which is a death on the cross. But he's not there yet. He's still with the Pharisees at this point. Uh, And they have trouble with this statement that he says, where I am going, you cannot come. A lot of sinners have trouble with that. Uh, Listen to people in general when they talk about death and that they expect to go to heaven. A lot of people talk about uh, being made uh, made an angel. They're going to go get their wings. They're going to have a halo. They're going to have a harp. Well, you know, (laughs) that's not really a biblical picture of death. Uh, Halos are not in the scripture. Um there might be some mention of harps here and here and there, but it doesn't say you're gonna get one. And it doesn't say you're gonna get wings. Angels don't always have wings, so we have to <laughs> we have to be careful with that. But uh you know sin cannot enter into heaven. So sin has to be redeemed before you get there. And Jesus is about to make that sacrifice so that we sinners can be saved and go to heaven. And that's the only way we can get there. The reason Jesus is saying where I am going, you cannot come, is that they don't believe in him. And it's faith. It's the lack of faith in Jesus that is the key issue. We have to have faith in Jesus in order to be with him for eternity. And so the Pharisees don't have faith in him. They don't have any understanding. They're they're not trying to believe in him. They're trying to undermine him and find some weakness that they can exploit so they can get rid of him because he is a threat to their sense of power Uh, as the people are following after Jesus. So he then describes the situation pretty plainly to them. In verse 23, he says, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. You know, how can the Creator be from... The place where that he created, you know, Jesus helped to create this world. That's what John says in chapter 1. The Word was with God in the beginning, all things were made through him. Nothing without him, nothing was made. So he was part of the creation of this world. So, no, he's not from this world, he is. From above. He is from a different plane. He is from heaven itself. And uh he's saying to the Pharisees, you're not from the same place. In other words, y'all are the creature the creatures, I'm the creator. And uh he says in twenty four, I told you that you would die in your sins, for you will die in your sins unless now listen unless you believe that I am he. I wonder if Nicodemus was in this crowd of Pharisees, because I believe Nicodemus eventually came around to belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And uh, so Jesus does put out an invitation here In this unless statement, you know, he's more or less saying, You're going to die in sin unless you believe in me. And they said, Then who are you? You know, here they are still not getting it. They just are not getting it. How many times do we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in this world that just don't get it? It's like they're. their ears just aren't connected to their brains or something. And, and they, can't, they can't comprehend it. And Jesus is pretty plain here. So they said, who are you? And then Jesus turns around and says, why do I speak to you at all? I have much to say about you and much to condemn. But the one who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They didn't understand, John says, they didn't understand that he was talking about the Father. So Jesus says, listen to this. See if this doesn't sound like something he says in chapter 3. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am he. Jesus says in John chapter 3, And I, when I am lifted up, will draw all people unto me. Here he's saying the Pharisees are the ones that are going to lift Jesus up and lifting him up, that act of lifting him up is an action that happens in crucifixion. He's nailed to the crossbar of the cross, and then they lift him up with his arms outspread, and they fix that crossbar to the upright bar uh, to make the cross. And on that cross, then uh, he has to suffer and to die. Um, He says, "When uh, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will then realize that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own. And, you know, one of the gospel writers tells us that after Jesus is lifted up on the cross well, even one of the soldiers that crucified that did the actual work of crucifying him says this man must have been the son of god and um so that's interesting that he says this almost prophetically doesn't he um, that you will realize i am he And then he goes on to say, and I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father instructed me. So he's, you know, Jesus is letting us know everything that happens to him comes from God the Father. You know, this is not something that he's decided to do by himself. This is not his own ideas. These are divine ideas acted out through him as he takes his place in the sonship of of um, of of the Trinity. And the one who sent me, he says in verse twenty nine. This is our final, our final uh, two verses, and and we'll we'll be done. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. See, that's where I'm thinking, oh, what if Nicodemus was in that crowd? Wouldn't it be wonderful if in the crowd in the daytime, you know, remember he came to Jesus by night in chapter 3, but here he is probably in the crowd with the Pharisees, having wondered about Jesus this whole time, wanting to understand, wanting to, wanting really for the hope of what Jesus is supposed to be, to be true. Here Jesus is pretty well just saying, you know, here it is, it's true. And many of them have no ability to believe, but it says, John says some believed, many believed. Many believed in him as the result of this discussion. You know, that's one of the things we can still effect today is that people can come to believe in Jesus Christ when we talk of him, when we tell about him, when we mention to them what he's done for us. There is power in the name of Jesus, and the power is the power to change people's lives, so, I hope today, as you think about that, that you think about how Jesus has changed your life. Or, if you've never had that change, that uh, maybe you can find a Christian to talk to about him and just ask the question, What's what's Jesus done for you? Oh, I, I, I wish a lot of unsaved people would ask that question of Christians. Because we need to tell that story of what Jesus has done for us and see how many believe, not because of what we say, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Well, thank you for your patience in listening to this Bible study, and uh, we'll do another episode soon. Uh, If you like this, share it with someone, and uh, if you would like to contact me, I invite you to use my email address, pastorbradscott at gmail.com. I'll be glad to answer questions, and um, hopefully we'll meet again soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.